0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, good to have you with us again for our online stream. We are in week three today of our series, Bulldog, Turning Setbacks into Comebacks. Uh, two weeks ago, we started our series and we talked about what do you do when you have a setback, um, a business setback that seems um uh, to be you know, more than you anticipated, hard to snap back from. We looked at the life of Peter and a couple of his colleagues who were fishermen and how Jesus uh, worked them through a situation to teach them dependence on him. Last week we talked about uh, what do you do when you have a setback that seems so overwhelming you wonder if you're ever going to make it back from that. And of course the, the great example of that for us is the book of Job. And the, the story of Job's life is one where he encounters all kinds of setbacks And we learned a lot really looking at his story. Today, I want to talk to you about what do you do when you have a setback that is not really your fault. Something happened, but it's not something that you did, and you're experiencing the setback because of someone else's poor choices or someone else's decisions, and what they have, you know, the blowback of that now comes to rest on you. And so I think it's possible sometimes when we go through a setback you know, if it's our fault, we can kind of assume responsibility for it and and make the necessary adjustments and move on and chalk it up to experience and wisdom, and we just kind of go on about it. But there's a psychological edge that comes along with a setback that happens to you that is not necessarily your fault or the result of a decision that you made. And, uh, you know, I think everybody listening to the sound of my voice probably has had some situation in their life where something happened to them they really didn 't have anything to do with it, but the blowback hit them, and it caused setbacks for them in their life um, if you 're someone who 's been hurt by the decisions or choices of other people, you know exactly what i 'm talking about. You could be paying the price today for something like a bankruptcy that that you know wasn 't your fault. You could be paying the price and, and having setbacks today because of a divorce that wasn 't necessarily your fault, or um, you know I know of people that are out of work now either because of uh, COVID-19 and what we're going through currently in our society, or just because, you know, the bosses at your place of employment decided that they were going to downsize things and you would be one of the ones that would be caught in that net. And now, you know, there's no job for you because they've downsized. Well, that's not your fault. That's not because you didn't perform well. It's not because something happened in, on your end of the job. It's something that happened, uh, made decisions made by people higher than you. And so, um, you know when when we experience setbacks that that really are of no making of our own, it becomes difficult for us sometimes to navigate those. Uh, these things can wreak havoc with our health and our hope and our happiness in life. These are things that can can you know really jam up the way we live and, and the way we think and so today, I want us to see how God can turn these kinds of setbacks into comebacks, even when it's something that someone else has done and it blows back on you. And so uh, Acts 27 is the the place from which we're going to look at our story this morning. It's a very familiar story to those of you who've been Christians for a long, long time. And in this particular chapter in Acts 27, we find a great example of how oftentimes we can suffer because of the foolish choices of somebody else. Um, You know, at some point you live life long enough and that's going to happen to you. I would also remind you that we put to the left of your screen, there are some notes that you can follow along and a chance for you to kind of fill in the blanks. I know some of you like to do that. So today we look at a story where Paul survives a storm and a shipwreck that was not his fault. Uh, A little background, Paul has always wanted to get to Rome. I think one of the things that Paul wanted to do was he wanted to have the opportunity to speak directly to the emperor of Rome. He wanted to give the emperor his testimony, and he wanted the, the opportunity to try to convert the emperor of Rome, which is a, a pretty bold goal. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty uh, big thing to aspire to, to want to uh, convert the the emperor of your uh, nation or your country. And uh, so, you know, Rome is the greatest, most powerful, most influential uh, city in the world. Uh, it's, it's the seat of power. And Paul really wants to get there because he wants to have an influence on those people. And so he's going to get to Rome, but he's not going to get to Rome the way you might expect him to get to Rome. He's going to end up going there as a prisoner. Uh, Paul has been unfairly tried, and uh, he's been tried for a crime that he did not commit, and he's been found guilty. And because he was a Roman citizen, he has the opportunity then to appeal in a capital offense, especially, he could appeal to the emperor of Rome, and that is exactly what Paul does in this instance. So we're going to pick up the story today as Paul is in prison, and he's going to get on this, uh, this prison ship, basically, on the island of Crete, and, and uh, that island sits in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, the ship is docked in a port there, and the crew has spent too much time on leave and now it's time to leave out on the boat and the autumn is getting ready to turn into winter and the it's not optimum conditions for sailing so um, god is going to to tell paul to warn the captain hey it's not a good idea for us to set sail we probably should should uh, stay in the harbor here for the winter and wait until more favorable conditions after the winter season but the crew is impatient and they aren't uh, they don't want to hear any of that and so um they you know they press upon the captain hey let's leave now and let's let's put out at at sea and paul tries to tell him he tries to warn him hey if you do that you're going to run into bad weather and you are going to be shipwrecked but they're not interested in that they ignore paul they go on about their business and just as paul had warned the ship is is uh, runs the risk of being destroyed in the storm uh, i want to read this to you from verse 41 in acts 27 but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground the bow stuck fast and would not move and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf uh, paul was actually in three different shipwrecks in his life i can't imagine being in one uh, much less being three now what does this story have to do for you today 2000 years later what what impact would it have on you what what is there to teach you and me 2,000 years after the fact from the life of Paul? Well, actually, today we're going to answer three different questions. The first of which is, what causes people to make choices that create setbacks for other people? That's covered in this particular passage of Scripture. Second thing we're going to look at is, what do you need to know about storms to set you up to navigate them well? You know, the more you can know about a circumstance before you get into it, the better set up you are to navigate that circumstance in the moment? And then thirdly, what do you need to remember when you're in a storm that is wrecking your ship and causing setbacks for you in your life? We're going to to examine those three things this morning. I want to start with the first one of those. What causes people to make choices that create setbacks for other people? And there are three answers to that question. The first of which is, uh, it happens when we listen to ungodly people. It, listen, it happens when we listen to ungodly advice. Uh, I want you to look at verses 9 and 10 there in Acts 27. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives as well. And then verse 11 says, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Have you ever received bad advice from an expert? I'm sure you probably have. Have you ever been overruled by an expert? Have you ever had somebody who was in charge or, you know, a boss or, or, or a, a captain of some kind, maybe a coach who, you know, you had a suggestion or you had a way of, of doing it and you got overruled by that? Most of us have had an experience like that. Um, have you ever had so-called experts in your life uh, where they, they felt like they were always right? Uh, I'm sure that you have had someone in your life where it just feels like, you know, every time they open their mouth, they always think they're right. They can't be convinced of anything. You can't sway them or you can't persuade them otherwise because they don't want to hear any opposing opinions. They, only, they always believe that they're right. Uh, one of the things that's popular today is, um, you know, when we get an idea in our head, we basically go around and look for an expert in that field who identifies and agrees with what it is that we believe. And then we kind of latch on to them as our expert and we use them to make our case. And and we use them to be the one to let us believe the things that we want to believe because the expert says so. Uh, One of the expressions that we use to describe someone like that uh, we, we would say that they're living in an echo chamber. You know, uh, I think that sometimes in our social media, it's easy for us to find ourselves in echo chambers. It's easy to look at our friend circles. And what we find oftentimes is that we have surrounded ourselves with people of like mind and they, you know, they encourage us to believe the way we believe. And so it's, it's always important. You know, I had a professor one time that um, he encouraged us to read books that we disagree with. I had a, one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got, was from a professor who said when you get a periodical and you open that periodical and you want to read an article from it, um, he said typically there are the favorites, the ones that stand out to you, the ones that you are inclined to read, and there are usually one or two that you think, I don't want to read that. His advice to us as students was always read that article first. And he said in reading that article first, you're going to read things that you typically disagree with. You're going to read things that you might not have known uh, in advance. And what I have found in taking that advice for over 40 years now is that when I read magazines and I look in there and I look at the table of contents, that one article that I probably would have been inclined to skip altogether, I typically will read that one first. And it is amazing how much I have learned by reading the article that I most likely would have skipped otherwise. When God tells you to do something, ignore all the experts. Um, don't, don't listen to the people who, who speak against what God is telling you to do. Once you understand that God is in it, once you understand that God wants you to do something, uh, don't listen to the experts because the experts could very well be wrong. In fact, if they're going against what God has said, they are wrong. Uh, when we listen to ungodly advice, it can often cause setbacks for us and for other people as well. The second reason people sail into storms is because we, we copy the crowd. You know, we listen to ungodly advice. And, and then secondly, we, we copy the crowd. We go oftentimes with the majority. Verse 12 says this, Since the harbor was uns, unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. Who, and who doesn't want to winter in Phoenix? Um, this was a harbor, though, in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. You know, the majority said, hey, let's go. Let's do it. Let's sail Let's get on the water and let's start moving. But the problem is, the majority is often wrong. You see this throughout the Bible, most notably, uh, you know, when uh, the the spies in the Old Testament are going to go spy out the land, and um, uh, Joshua sends or uh, they're, they're sent out. Moses sends them out to spy out the land, and Joshua and Caleb come back and they say, hey. Um, you know, what we saw is that we should go in there. This is the land that God has given to us. We should absolutely go take that land. But they went with 12 uh, men all together. It was uh, Joshua and Caleb and then the 10 spies with them. And the, t- the other 10 came back and said, hey, no, we shouldn't do that. So there was a dissenting opinion. The majority decided, hey, we, we don't need to be going into this land. We shouldn't do it. Um, that generation, spent their entire life wandering around in the desert because they didn't really do what God wanted them to do, which was to go into the land. They didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. Instead, they listened to the majority and it basically got them in trouble. They wandered in the desert for a long, long time because of that. Now on this ship, we're told that there are 276 people and they apparently took a vote and it was 273 to 3. Um, Paul and the two companions that are sailing with him, one of them being Luke, who wrote this for us, um, they come up and say, no, we, we need to stay put. But the others wanted to get on the high seas, and that's what they did. Now, I expect when they took this vote, the majority said, hey, we, we just need to get out on the water, and I don't care what God says. This is what we want to do. I imagine that left Paul somewhat scratching his head. Um, I think he's probably thinking to himself you know what you guys have no idea what you're in for you don't understand the storm that's about to uh, engage us and and this is going to be really bad for us and I just think it was probably pretty frustrating for Paul at this point so let me ask you can you think of anybody in your life who has shipwrecked their life because they followed the crowd and they didn't do what God said that they should do you ever known anybody like that I think probably for most of us, the the finger gets pointed in our own direction, right? Probably for all of us, there have been times where, you know, we knew it was what God wanted us to do. We probably even had some good godly counsel of people saying, hey, this is what you need to do. And we shunned that advice and we didn't listen to it. We went our own way and we shipwrecked our life in the process, Um, You you can see it just about every day in in the life of someone you 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 ever had that that time when you watch someone from a distance and you're like, man, they don't they're headed for a downfall. You know, what are they thinking? What are they doing? I I wish I could get their attention. I wish I could help them with that. But, you know, you may have heard the expression. There's just no talking to them. Once in a while, we encounter people like that. Once in a while, we are that person. Um, People shipwreck their lives for a lot of things. One of the reasons is because they don't listen to godly advice. Another reason is because they follow the crowd. The third reason we're given here is they count on circumstances instead of Christ. We, we, we shipwreck our life when we count on circumstances instead of Christ. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. I picked uh, verse 13 out of the New Century version uh, for this reason. There's a, there's a line that's translated here that I just, I, I really think accentuates Um, the point. It says, when a good wind began to blow from the south, the men on the ship thought, this is the wind we wanted, and now we have it. So they pulled up the anchor and sailed, and we sailed very close to the island of Crete. I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever thought that you were getting exactly what you wanted, only to later realize that you were headed right into the storm? Uh, That's exactly what's going on here. Here's another question. Is it possible that when you are getting exactly what you think you wanted, that your life might be getting set up for a setback? I can look back at different times in my life where I, I thought I was getting exactly what I wanted and it was just gonna end up for me in a setback. It ended up in a situation that I didn't wanna be in. You know, when you pay attention to the circumstances, we, we oftentimes, we listen to what the crowd has to say. And oftentimes the crowd is influenced by the circumstances and we don't listen to what God says. And whenever we do that, every time we do that, we're setting ourselves up for a failure and for a setback. This crew gets a favorable wind; They get exactly what they think they want. It's something that looks, God, but God, looks good, but God has said no to it. God has said, hey, this isn't your time. This isn't when you should be setting out. Um, So whenever God says no or or not yet or not now, when you go against that, you just need to understand you are sailing into a disaster. You ever heard this? Well, well, it it feels good, so it must be right. Or it feels right, so it must be right. Man, all I know is that I've seen lots of people get exactly what they wanted, and I've seen lots of people decide to do something because it felt right to them or because it felt good to them. And uh, in the process, when they engaged in whatever that was, it turns out that it was a setback. It turns out that it was something that was negative in their life, and it wasn't good. Um, More than likely, you've had that experience. I know that in my life, I've had that experience. So why should I never trust my circumstances? And the the answer to that is because they change constantly. Circumstances are constantly changing around us, and we can they can literally change overnight. They can change like the weather uh, in our story this morning. Acts 27, verse 14. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force, so that's that's pretty strong, called the northeaster swept down from the island. <laughs> so Uh, You know, they didn't have telecommunication, but if they had, they might have uttered the words, Houston, we have a problem, okay? We we didn't anticipate this. We didn't know this was coming. They're making their way up the northern coast of Crete, and now they are being blown out to sea away from the coast, and they are at the mercy of this storm. They are in big-time trouble. They've listened to ungodly advice. They've gone with the crowd. They've relied on their circumstances. They thought they had a good wind and they decided that was enough to to set out into the water. Uh, You know, it was kind of an, it looks good and it feels good mentality. And now they are facing real trouble and now the setback is coming. Uh, The next lesson in this story is, what do I need to know about the storm that will help me to navigate it? Because if you don't know what... what, uh, a storm or a setback can do to you in your life, it's going to cause problems for you. It's really important that you be aware of what a setback does to your psyche, what a setback does to the way you think and the way you respond to different things. I want to show you three traps really from the, the story in Acts 27 uh, that we find in this passage. And the first one is storms cause me to drift from my goal. That's what setbacks do. They They distract you and they cause you to to not be focused on the thing that you need to be focused on. I would draw your attention to verse 15. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. You want you want to talk about a verse that is packed with insight. There are five insights that, that really come out of the passage that I just read to you. Five ways that a setback can dominate our life. And they are, number one, in a storm, you tend to lose control of your plan. You know, we have this plan and... And the storm comes and, and we get kind of blown off course of that plan. Number two, you stop trying because you get tired. Uh, fatigue sets in and, it, you, you know, you start to wear out. Your, your your faith muscles kind of get tired. Number three, you, you, you just give up. Mentally, you get to a place in your head where you decide, you know what, I don't know if it's worth it anymore. Uh, number four, you are pressure driven and you're not necessarily purpose driven. You're, you're always better off in life when you have some purpose that you're, you're moving toward and you're driving toward. And when setbacks come, a lot of times what happens is you feel the pressure around you and you lose sight of whatever your purpose was. Um, they gave way and they were driven by the wind. You know, they, they had a purpose, but they, they kind of gave up on all that. And the number five, you, you tend to drift in every direction in a storm. That's what happens when you give in to the storm, when you, when you hear that voice that says, you know, what's the use of trying anymore? We, we probably have all gone through that, that moment or those moments in life when something bad's happening to us and we've, we've, you know, kind of buffeted up against it long enough and we kind of mentally throw our hands up in the air and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm tired of this. Um, you know, what's the use? I, I just can't seem to get anywhere. Why, why work so hard? Um, you know, it's not worth it. So the question I have for you this morning is: have you let storms and setbacks cause missional drift in your life? Is there have there been some things that you really had set out to accomplish, some goals that you had for yourself? And the setback comes along, the storm comes along, and it draws your attention away, and, and you've now you've got missional drift. You you were kind of moving right straight toward your goal. And now you've gotten off course. Maybe you wanted to go back to school. Maybe you wanted to start your own business. Maybe you were going to save some money for something specific and, and you allowed uh, something that you wanted or you allowed some pleasures to, to divert your attention. Um, is it possible that this morning you have lost your focus? I would draw your attention to verse 17. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Now, I have no idea what this must have looked like. Uh, Here they are. They're in this storm. It's dark. The the waves are high. The wind is raging, uh, likely rain involved. It's fierce. They have very little balance. This would have been a difficult endeavor to, to wrap ropes around the ship, to hold the ship together. I would think that would be a hard thing to do on a normal day under normal circumstances Um, I think it would pose some challenges to try to do that, much less to try to do that in a situation where the boat is tossed about and the waves are high. Um, Let me ask you this question. What kind of ropes have you been trying to tie around your life to hold it all together? Um, There is a better alternative, and we're gonna look at that in just a minute, but first you need to know that when you're in a storm, things are going to kind of fall apart. You know, when you're in a setback, things can kind of um, get a little disjointed and once in a while, everything that was so tight and so well held together, sometimes it can get a little loose and once in a while something may fall apart. The second thing we learn in this story is that storms can cause us to discard what we used to value. Your priorities will often change when you encounter a setback. Um, When I'm in pain or when stuff comes to my life that is difficult or hard, whenever I experience a setback, sometimes I've made the decision that something that I highly value just didn't matter anymore. And, you know, there have been times when I've been really sorry. Uh, Later, in hindsight, when you look back, you go, man, I wish I hadn't made that decision. Uh, Sometimes other things begin to matter more to you. in a a storm uh, that normally they wouldn't matter so much. And then once you get through the storm and you look back on it, you encounter difficulties. Acts 27 verse 18 says this, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day, and then remember this storm goes on for 14 days, they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard With their own hands. I want you to see a progression that we just uh, went through as we read those passages. There's three things that happen. First of all, they start to dump the cargo overboard, right? Like they're in a panic. The cargo is an important part of what's going on with this ship. You know, the ship is sailing probably. Uh, in part because the cargo was on the ship and it had to get from one destination to another. Then they start to throw tackle overboard. This is the stuff that is necessary to make the ship go. I mean, that's pretty important stuff. And they're throwing that stuff overboard because the storm dictates, hey, we've got to survive. And then thirdly, uh, we're going to see later in the story, they throw themselves overboard. They're actually going to throw themselves into the water because Uh, storms cause us not only to drift but to discard the things that are really, really important to us and sometimes uh, stuff that's really valuable. Uh, Never make, I would just tell you this, this is just a principle that grows out of what we're, we're looking at this morning and specifically out of verse 18 and 19. Never make a major decision in your life when you are depressed. It's always, almost always gonna be the wrong decision. When you make decisions, In your life, I tell people, never make decisions in the valleys of your life. Make decisions at the peak. When you're in a valley, there's very little visibility in the valley. When you're at the peak of life, when things are going well, when you can see farther in each direction, that's when you should make decisions. If you could just latch on to that one little piece of advice, I think that that would serve you greatly in your life ahead, especially young people. Never make decisions in valleys. Don't make decisions when you're down. Don't make, especially major decisions. Don't make those decisions when you're struggling a little bit with some uh, depression. You're you're likely to make a bad decision. Um, There's a third thing that that storms do to you, and we're going to learn that next. Storms cause me to despair. So storms cause us to do three things. They cause us to drift. They cause us to discard and they cause us to despair. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now I just would remind you that this story goes, this, uh, this uh, storm goes on for 14 days. Um, 14 days out on the water, the boat being you know beaten about, uh, these guys, no doubt, are starting to think to themselves, we're doomed, you know, stick a fork in us because we're done. We, we can't do this anymore. They gave up hope. And what I would tell you is, hope is always the last thing to go. You know, it, it's, we, we hold on and we hold on and we, we hold out for something, but eventually when you get into the storm, there's gonna come a point where you just are really, really tempted to give up hope. The amazing thing about this story is to look at Paul's reaction because Paul's reaction is different than that of the rest of the crew and the, and the prisoners that were on board with him. Everybody else is panicked. Paul is at peace. Everybody else seems to be in despair and yet Paul is confident and very calm. You know, I've been a pastor long enough to be able to observe a lot of people going through their own storms, go, experiencing their own setbacks. I have had the privilege of being up close and personal in the lives of some people who are going through some really, really difficult things. And what I've seen is that the true test of your faith is not how high you jump when you're praising God. The true test of your faith is how straight you walk when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. How do you react to the storms and the setbacks? You know, it's, it's, following Jesus is easy when the weather is good. It's easy to follow Jesus then. Remember, this storm is not Paul's fault. He he hasn't done anything wrong. Paul is basically along for the ride as he's on his way to Rome, and he has actually warned these people in advance. This is what's going to happen. You know, he said, if we take off now, you're going to encounter storms and we're going to be shipwrecked. But they ignored him. And here's what I want you to see: as as uh, Paul goes through this, he's still filled with hope. These guys have gone against his direction. They've gone against his advice. He's tried to warn them. He's had a vision from God about this. Um, They are in total darkness and yet Paul still has hope. And so uh, you just, you know, the question comes when you you realize that is what's the secret? What is it that gives Paul this hope? Well, you know, uh, the Christian life and Christianity in general has several symbols that we kind of lean into for sure. One of those is the cross. The cross is a a meaningful symbol to us as Christians. I think another one of those, and you see these once in a while in someone's car, the Ichthus fish, you know, with the Greek letters in it, uh, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior is what that stands for. But there's another symbol that uh, is often forgotten by some people, but it's probably one of the oldest symbols of Christianity that we know of, and that is the anchor. And one of the reasons that the anchor is important to us in our faith is from this particular passage um, that we find in scripture. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. So I want to give you three truths right now. Uh, we could call these anchors. These are like anchors for our life that will give us stability in the most, of un- most unstable of situations and they're all found in this passage. When you're being tossed about by the storm and the setback in your life, when, when your boat is rocking, when you're, when you're you know, kind of wrapping ropes around it to kind of hold it together, when, when things get scary for you, um, you're being tossed about and you're tempted to drift and you're tempted to discard and you're tempted to despair, you just need to throw out these three anchors. And I want to give these to you, and these will prevent you from, from drifting These will prevent you from sinking. And as I give them to you, I'm also going to give you something to remember. Okay, so there's going to be an anchor and then a a remembrance line to go along with it. And first of these is anchor one is the presence of God. And with the presence of God, you just remember that God is with you. God is with you. God has not left you. God has not left you alone. You may be in the middle of a setback right now. You may be in the middle of your own personal storm and be very tempted to disbelief. It's easy to get to that place. You may be very tempted to say, you know what? God is nowhere close to me. Listen to me. God is with you. He has not left you. Uh, Scripture is very clear that, that, uh, you know, he's not going to leave us or forsake us. God did not abandon Paul and he's not abandon you. No matter how dark it may seem, no matter what you're going through, I'm here to tell you, trust me, God is with you. We look at this in Acts 27, verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, now keep in mind, they've been battling depression. They're battling despair. They've been discarding things for days. They've been throwing all kinds of stuff overboard on the boat. He stood up and he said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. So God is with you. God has never not been with you. And you say, well, Brett, you know, I just don't feel him. Listen, in a storm, you can't lean into your feelings. In a storm, you really need to lean into what you know. This has not, Storms have nothing to do with your feelings. Um, it has everything to do with the promises of Scripture from God that uh, he's told you, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. So the first anger, anchor in the storm is, to, is this idea of God's presence. Um, and we need to remember that God is with us. The second anchor is this. It's the purpose of God. Remember, God's purpose is greater than my storm. God's purpose is greater than my storm. Verse 24 says, um, the angel said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. It was really important for Paul to get to Rome. He wanted to be before Caesar. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, nobody is going to die. Uh, There's going to be a shipwreck, but nobody's going to die. And on behalf of Paul's faith, this angel basically says, everyone else is going to be saved with you, Paul. Everybody else is going to make it because you're on this boat and God is with you. And he's going to see to it that nobody gets hurt. No matter what you go through, it is not going to change God's plan and God's purpose for your life. Listen to me. This is really important what I'm about to say. God doesn't operate in plan Bs. Okay, God doesn't have plan B. God has one plan and he factors everything into that plan and that purpose. You say, Brett, even my dumb decisions? Yes, he factors that in. Even someone else's dumb decisions that impacts me and impacts the people around me? Yes, he factors that in. So you have the presence of God, that's an anchor. You have the purpose of God as the second anchor. And then there's a third anchor that will give hope in the storm. And the third anchor is the promise of God. And here's the thing to remember with the promise of God. Remember that God's promises can be trusted. I want you to look at verse 25. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. In other words, Paul's faith isn't in the ship. Paul's faith isn't in the the captain or the pilot of the ship. Paul's faith is in God. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And then he adds this parenthetically. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. In other words, I know God is going to take care of us, but, and I know that none of us are going to die, but we are going to be shipwrecked. This boat is not going to make it. They actually end up on the island of Malta. And uh, I want you to see this uh, if you're in the storm right now, and I know some of you are. I've talked to some of you in the past week or two, or we've texted, and I know some of you are going through some pretty hard things. Um, God has not promised to save your ship. God won't always save the ship, but God has promised to save you. You may lose the ship. In fact, that's what happens with these guys. The ship is going to be lost. But saving the ship isn't nearly as important as it is saving you. And that's what God is committed to. God is committed to saving you. I would draw your attention to verse 30. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. In other words, you're all going to die unless you stay with the ship. If you go out there in a lifeboat, what makes you think you're going to survive any better in a lifeboat that's smaller than this vessel that's being tossed all around on the waves. Um, it's just not going to work, Paul says to him, You, you got to let go of your lifeboat. I would just ask you this morning, what man-made puny little lifeboat are you tempted to cling to in the middle of your storm? You know, when we encounter setbacks, when the storm hits our life, there's always something that we're tempted to hang on to that kind of becomes a, a pseudo lifeboat for us. For some of us, it, it's, it's looks. You know, you, you may really lean into the idea that you've got your looks and, and that they get you someplace in life and that that's that really important to you. Um, I hate to break it to you, but you're not always going to be as pretty as you are today. Right. I mean, you, you every day reminds me that, that I'm getting older, you know, gravity takes hold and uh, you're just not going to look this way forever. Uh, some of you cling to money and, you know, you've got a little bit of money and you think that gives you security. And that's what you're clinging to. Uh, some cling to intelligence. You know, they think they're really smart and I'm just going to cling to my intelligence. My intelligence will get me through some cling to uh, sports prowess or athletic ability. Um, You won't have that stuff forever. You're putting your faith and your trust in something that can be taken away from you, which means that you don't really have true security. To have true security, you must put your faith in something that cannot be taken away from you. That's where true security comes from. It comes from having something that cannot be taken away from you. Now, I would just ask you to survey your life and i ask you one question. Have you put your faith in something that can be taken away from you? Or have you put your faith in something that cannot be taken away from you? Because only there are you going to experience true security. What is your little lifeboat? What are you holding on to for security? That big ship is cracking up. And somehow they think that they're going to be safer in a smaller vessel in some lifeboat. What have you been thinking that would save you? Was it maybe your good works? Was it a good personality that you had? Was it the fact that you're, you make friends easily? Um, only Jesus can be your Savior. And in order for that to happen, you've got to let go of all the other things that have a tendency to get in the way of Jesus, which is really what we're trying to do in life. We're trying to get rid of as many things as we can that come between us and our relationship with Jesus. In any storm, the safest place to be is with God. It it amazes me how many people, the setback comes, the storm happens, and the first thing they're tempted to do is shake a fist at God and let go of God. The safest place you can be in a storm is in God's will. Write that down. I don't care if you're in the middle of the storm. The safest place to be is in the will of God. Today, I want to urge you to let go of anything that you might be clinging to that you think is is going to save you other than God, because the truth of the matter is only God can save you. I want you to see what happens next in verse 34. It says, "Then, then, then Paul said this, please eat something for your own good. Now they haven't eaten in quite a while. You know, they've been so busy with this storm that Um, They haven't eaten anything, but they're about to go swimming for their life and they're going to need some sustenance for that and they're going to need some strength. And so when you're in the middle of the storm, one of the things that happens is you get really tempted to kind of let yourself go. Oftentimes people, when the setback comes, they don't take very good care of themselves. You know, when when the storm blows up in your life, I've seen this in my own life and I've seen this in the lives of others, we're we're tempted to not take good care of ourselves. And Paul stands up and he says, look, it's not good that you haven't eaten. You need to eat something. So he says, please eat something for your own good. Now, I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and he began to eat. He publicly expresses gratitude to God and he does this in the presence of all these men and then it says he broke bread and he began to eat. There is, there is an incredible power that comes with gratitude. The longer I live, one of the things that I'm beginning to see as I, as I get older is that gratitude is one of the bedrock elements of faith. Uh, gratitude is one of the things that, that really should be at the base. I think gratitude and humility and as much discipline as we can find in our life, those are the things upon which we build life, and those are the things that once we have those, we make better decisions, uh, we're able to avoid some of the setbacks and storms, and uh, it's, it's better for us when we have some gratitude. Paul expresses gratitude to God, and the whole ship is encouraged because he does it. Your attitude of gratitude will lift the people around you when there's a setback. If your family is experiencing a setback, your attitude of gratitude will be the thing that will lift many people around you. They will see your gratitude and it will become contagious. And they will think to themselves, you know what? If they have reason to be grateful, I have reason to be grateful. When people are fearful and they hear you express gratitude to God, they will be encouraged. All around the the ship. Things are falling apart. These men are watching things fall off of the boat. They've watched people throw things off of the boat. They've thrown tackle off of the boat that was necessary to make it sail. And they've been battered by these waves, but they are trusting these three anchors and they're waiting for daylight. They're trusting in the anchor of the presence of God, the purpose of God, and the promise of God. This chapter ends with a great comeback. I love verse 39. I love how it starts. When daylight Cain, look at me and listen to what I'm going to say to you. And I say this to you often, but if you're in the middle of the storm right now, if you're experiencing a setback right now in your life, and maybe it's a setback that's not even of your own doing. Maybe it's a setback that's happened because somebody else did something stupid. Somebody else got selfish. Somebody else made a decision that is impacting you. I want you to listen to me. The sun is going to shine again. I promise you the sun is going to shine in your life again. Verse 43, he, and I think this is the centurion, ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. God used Paul to save everybody on that ship. Do you realize that God wants to use your life in the very same way for the people around you? There are people in life, in your life, that are battling storms. There are people who have encountered setbacks. And as you survey the people in your world, as you see people who have encountered difficulties and setbacks and storms in their life, God wants to use you to help those people navigate their way through this storm. Let God use you to encourage other people. Let God use you to be a positive influence in the lives of the people around you let me just ask you some questions this morning as we get ready to close. Do you feel like you're drifting? Do you feel like you you don't have purpose? Do you feel like your, your goals or your dreams have kind of somehow faded? Is that a possibility for you? Have you been tempted to throw it all away, a job, a, a dream, a marriage, a, a, a responsibility of some kind? Um, is there something that's causing despair in you? Are you tempted to to give up and to throw up your hands and say, I just can't do it. Are you tempted to give up on your finances? Is there, is there an illness that's a problem for you? Is it a relationship? Don't give up. Don't be afraid. Hold on to these truths. God is always with you. He's standing with you, even though you can't always see him. You can't always feel God. Listen, God is aware God cares, and he's there. It is God's presence. It's his promises. It's his provision. It's his power, and it's his peace. And all of these things come when you are found in the will, in the presence of Christ. Somebody listening to me this morning needs to give their life to Christ. You you know, you've thought about it. You've heard a lot about Jesus. You're interested You know that you can't do this on your own. You know that your way isn't working. And you've been thinking about giving your life to Christ. You've put your faith in your own lifeboat long enough. I don't know what it is, but we all have those things that we're tempted to put our faith in. I'm telling you that you need to, that's really what the Christian life is. It's leaving all the other lifeboats behind and it's getting in the one solid vessel, which is Jesus Christ, who will see you through any storm and any setback that you will encounter in your life I hope the lesson this morning has been helpful for you um, I just want you to know that as we go through this and it's starting to look like things are gonna loosen up a little bit let's hope that's the case um, I hope that as you go through this I want you to know that we've been praying for you we stand ready to serve you any way we can I've been in contact with a lot of you I've, I've heard your prayer requests I know some of you have special things going on I've been praying for you uh, you're on our minds. We, we love you very much. We can't wait till, until the time comes that we can all be back together and, and worship together as a family. Won't that be great? Um, but um, I just want you to know you're not alone. God sees you. God is with you. We're with you. And uh, soon enough, this is all going to be behind us. Don't give up. Don't give up hope. Uh, this storm and this setback is going to be over as well. We just have to find that bulldog inside of us, and we have to let him come out and and take over a little bit. Um, I want to pray with you before we close this morning. Let's pray together. Father, uh, sometimes things happen to us, and it's not even our fault. Uh, Just like in the story, this storm happens. It's not Paul's fault. Uh, Paul's on a boat, really, because he's an innocent man on on his way for a trial, uh, and he's even innocent in, in the process of all that. He had every reason to give up hope. He had every reason to be angry, every reason to not be full of gratitude, but that was not his attitude. Paul's full of peace, he's full of hope, he's full of gratitude. He's our example, Lord. Uh, Some of us uh, are going through some really difficult things. This has not been an easy time for some people. And so Lord, we just confess to you that life isn't always pretty. Uh, Father, we confess to you that we don't always respond the right way. I think sometimes in the storms, we make really bad decisions. Um, But Lord, you're bigger than our bad decisions. Nothing is a surprise to you. There is no plan B with you. You're gonna take everything that happens and Bible tells us that you're gonna work it out for our good. And so Father, we just lean into that promise this morning. I pray for the people that are listening to my voice right now that you would give them a blessing today. I pray that they they would experience the hope that comes from a life lived with Jesus. Father, may they know your peace and your presence and your promise and your provision today. We love you, Father. We worship you in these moments and tell you just how awesome you are. We give our lives to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.